When you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, or all of the above. Um, welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. And I'm Peter van der Lende. You're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We are on episode number 155. If you haven't subscribed, you can do so now. Where can you subscribe, Peter? I think on I would recommend culturematters.com. That you can do as well. You can do iTunes, you can do Stitcher, you can do Spotify as well. So we're pretty much everywhere where you can find this. What are we going to do to talk and talk about this in, in this podcast episode 155? Cultural implications of mergers and acquisitions. That's sort of the title. Okay, so so the, the, the sub line on this is why do so many international mergers fail and so few succeed? And this is true. And what are the cultural implications thereof? Or maybe what are the cultural reasons for the failing or the failure of so many international mergers slash acquisitions? We'll talk about those two words as well. Peter. Yeah, uh, we, we've of course talked about this before, Chris, because we both have our uh, airline background and of course in airlines it's a it's it, it was very visual very visual over the last couple of decades mergers and acquisitions and uh, one of the the companies that we both worked for KLM uh, has tried to merge multiple times with different companies mm-hmm. and also build a joint venture with an American company Northwest at the time yeah. um, this is a couple of decades ago and it eventually resulted in a larger joint venture with Air France and KLM and Delta etc but the Northwest and KLM uh, alliance was actually almost like a merger because it was a joint venture where uh, income or, or uh, yeah, revenue and costs were shared. And it was considered a success. Uh, it's still in the books as, uh, as one of these success stories. However, in the mid-90s, there was an article in Fortune magazine uh, which called the, uh, that alliance the Alliance from Hell. Uh, because the Dutch couldn't get along with the Americans and vice versa. And that's a great story. You can still find it online. Um, so, And that has, of course, uh, a direct relationship with uh, national culture and how it all uh, almost blew up. And the same thing is true for, of course, KLM and Alitalia. You and I both were at uh, the scene, so to speak, the, the, the crime scene where uh, everything went wrong with KLM and Alitalia. Yeah. And there were articles written and they had great headlines, great headers such as can you blow up a marriage because uh, you are you're you're forced to eat sandwiches uh, cheese sandwiches and uh, and milk for lunch or uh, can you uh, uh, can you bl- blow up the marriage because the, the the Italians are on the on the phone too much during meetings and things like that and we both know that uh, yes you can blow up a marriage like that uh, it, it simply didn't work right True, indeed, indeed. By the way, we'll put the the, the link of this, uh, the Alliance from Hell, we'll put that in the show notes as well, so you can find that directly when you go to culturematters.com. And indeed, the notorious um, uh, expression from then uh, the CEO of KLM is that culture, culture doesn't really matter. There are no cultural differences between the Italians and the Dutch. Why not? And this is actually quoted in a Dutch newspaper. Um 
What did he say, Leo van Dijk? He actually said, you know, there are no cultural differences because the Dutch like Italian pizza and the Italians like Dutch football. And there, thereby it was done. And I can remember in my time at, in KLM, and, and we, we, we tend to go back to airlines pretty often. Why also? Because airlines are, are, are the, 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 the international organization per definition, I think. Um, because they, well, because they're international, that's, that's simple, simple. And what they did during this, this, well, this, this trial marriage between KLM and Alitalia, they tried to focus on the similarities. And, um, that is a wrong starting point. When you look at uh, international mergers and acquisitions, you don't look at what you have in common because what you have in common is something that is a given, um, so it's, I, I always compare this to, um, how many pairs of shoes would you have, Peter? I only have a few. But how, but many, how many pairs of shoes does your wife have? Oh, plenty. Uh, let, let, let's, let's, say, let's say 20 pairs. 20 pairs. Okay, fair enough. Now, if she, wears, if, she, if she wears 19 of those, she doesn't even notice that she's wearing those shoes, right? But of the, the, the number 20, the left shoe always hurts. When she's wearing that, it always hurts. You will always keep on feeling the pain when you're wearing shoes that actually are not fitting really well. The same is true when it comes to an international merger and acquisition or acquisition. And you look at those cultural differences and they're not really... Um, they're not really matching and you're not paying attention to them. So in other words, paying attention to the similarities is not something that's going to get you there. You have to focus on the differences and you have to overcome these differences. Now, one of these things, and Peter, you will, I know you will elaborate a little bit later on this as well. Um, the so-called merger between KLM and Air France, which is still the case, the case Air France, if you want, um, is still the case. There was it was never really a love marriage from both sides. KLM had to do something because they were too small, and Air France had had to or wanted to tap into the technology that KLM had available as well in terms of revenue management, for instance, these kind of things as well. But it was never a marriage from the beginning. And this is something, Peter, you will elaborate on a little bit later. I know from from the insight that if KLM wants to open a new route then they have to uh, ask for permission from Paris because if Paris says no, it's not going to work. So only if Paris says yes, KLM, the airline, can open a new route, right? And, and of course, Air France doesn't have to ask KLM for permission because they're, they're I don't know, four or five times bigger than, than KLM as an airline. Um, another example of a failed merger, if you want, was KPN, which is a Dutch telecom giant, and they're pretty big in, Belgium, in, uh, in the Netherlands as well, with the Belgium... Um, flag carrier, if you want, Proximus, also a telecom giant, but then from Belgium. So they tried to, to sort of merge together, but again, the cultural differences were in the way eventually, and they split up. Now, what KPN did in the end was a so-called greenfielding operation. Now, what is a greenfielding operation? Um, a greenfielding operation is when you start a complete new organization under your own flag, but not in your own under your own name. Right, uh, so they started a company called Base, and Base in in Belgium, because KPN wanted to expand in a country called Belgium. Um, but working together with already an existing um, company did not work out. So they started this greenfielding operation, and they started Base, which uh, turned out to be quite a, a big player in the end as well. When this market here in Belgium opened up as well, what else examples do you have, Peter? 
Yeah, I was just quickly quickly thinking about Air France and KLM, of course, and this was actually an article in the newspaper a couple of years ago. Um, there was never love to begin with. It's a, it was an article in Dutch, but it was based on a survey done by exter- by an external company, external consultants, and they found uh, stunning differences and uh, frustrations at both sides, so at both at Air France and KLM, and they were wondering if this was actually sustainable. Uh, so this is this is still, of course, the case as we speak. So you mentioned this this merger or, or this or this organization, this holding is still in place. Uh-huh. But it's basically a dysfunctional marriage. And one of the things that you mentioned, Chris, is like, well, the sh- the shoe uh, example, right? And I think I I sometimes call it like, uh, which is another article we you, people can Google, I, I guess, is uh, a bridge requires a gap, right? There is no need for a bridge if you don't recognize that there is, in fact, a gap. So don't focus on similarities. We're all, yes, we're all people. Yes, we're all Europeans, if you will. Yes, maybe we all like pizza. But that's not the point. The point is, where are we so different that it starts to bother us and do something about that? And, of course, you know, we saw it with Daimler Chrysler, right? It's an American company with a German company, and you can find great stories about it. Yeah. Many stories are, are about the financials and what have you, etc. But at the end of the day, it is again, once again, a national culture. And we will go into organizational culture in a, in a moment. Yes. But remind us maybe, Chris, when we talk about national culture, we always talk about a couple of those dimensions, right? So maybe you want to go over them real quick so that people re- are refreshed. So let, let's, let's do that. Let's continue from there. Um, so there, there are two sites, and we're looking... Basically, if you want to 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 uh, imagine along with us, um, we're looking at one coin, and a, a one coin has two sides: one side and the other side, a head and tail side. Now, one side is, say, head is are the cultural dimensions. In other words, what sets a German aside from a Dutchman? What sets um, a Dutchman aside from a Frenchman? What are these cultural dimensions? Where are the Germans, the Germans or the French, different from the Dutch in this case? Or the Dutch and the Americans? It doesn't really matter which which countries you're, you're looking at. So there are four primary dimensions of culture, um, and they are in in sequence, well, my logical sequence at least. One is hierarchy. Hierarchy says something about um, how dependent are you on the power holder. Usually that turns out to be your boss, right? Um, uh, In general, the Dutch score low and the French would score high. So a Frenchman will wait until he gets his order and a Dutchman will go ahead and do what what he thinks is right. The second dimension is loyalty or individualism, if you want. There, the, the two countries, the French and the Dutch, actually score more or less the same, not significantly different. In other words, loyalty says something about where is your loyalty? Does it does it lie with you, or does it lie with you as in you as an individual, or does it lie with the group that you belong to? Uh, does it lie with the courts that you belong to? Does it uh, lie with the the, the the Sunnis that you belong to, or the Shiites that you belong to? Right. That that's yep. that's how you look at collectivism in this way. Then we have uh, the third dimension, which is called goal orientation, and this says an expression or has, puts an expression out in terms of how important are goals for you versus on the other side, how important is the process. In terms of, um, to give you an example, um, we're going on holiday. Where are we going? Doesn't matter as long as it's warm. That's a process-oriented goal. 
Um, so it's not really a goal. It's not really that important. It's not unimportant, but it's not that important. The goal-oriented country um, or culture will actually say, okay, where are you going on holiday? We're going to Miami, you're going to Fort Lauderdale. That's where we're going, punto. And that's that's it. That's the goal. The goal is that whatever the weather will bring, we're still going to go there. Um, yeah. And then the final dimension, the fourth one at least, is called predictability. And there, again, if you take the Dutch and the French, you will see a, an enormous difference between Dutch and the French the Dutch score on average about 50 and the French score about close to 90 there. And predictability says something about um, how much, well, literally how much predictability do you want? The higher the score, the more predictability you want uh, as an individual slash as a culture, as a nation. So the Dutch are quite flexible in comparison to the French and the French want everything like square, square, square. And, that's, and maybe, that's, maybe Chris, just to inject before we, you, you switch over to organization of culture as well, is uh-huh. the alliance from hell just just popped up in my mind. Yeah. If you think about um, goal orientation, right, that's where the Americans differ a lot from the Dutch. Yeah. So the alliance from hell, uh, Northwest and KLM, which became, uh, to remind people, a huge success, um, one of the things was that it was it was managed in in committees, and the Dutch really liked it because it's 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 a process thing, right? You can you can discuss a lot, you can uh, discuss and 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 uh, about where to go. And the, the Americans were it was driving the Americans nuts because basically they were goal oriented. What are we going to do next? And we if, if we made a decision, let's move on. True. So eventually they found a way, I guess. But uh, anyways, I think you wanted to go uh, into the direction of organization of culture, right? Well, eventually, yes. Um, one thing maybe before I do that is to pinpoint the fact that on June 10, we are going to have a webinar, a free webinar, on the same, this exact same topic. Um, it'll be a slideshow and we'll, we will be talking about this. It'll be different from what you're listening to right now. Um, if you Would you like to register? Because you would have to register. You can do that by going to uh, Culture Matters. Excuse me, I'm drinking a soup as well. CultureMatters.com slash webinar and all the information you will find there as well. So do register and hopefully we'll see you there. So, um, and in that webinar, by the way, we will focus only on two dimensions, which are hierarchy and predictability. Just to take to take out two, um, to give it some, some uh, meat, uh, meat and potatoes, if you want. So... Um, but what, before I go to organizational culture, what is the difference between, between a merger and an acquisition, Peter? Yeah, of course, uh, that's, an, that's an interesting uh, question, right? Because uh, when we talk about uh, mergers, mm-hmm. uh, most of the time we're actually talking about an acquisition. And yeah. when it comes to the North, again, the airline industry, for example, uh, what was an interesting comment was... Uh, KLM is always tried always to be the equal, right? We're going to merge, but we're all equal, and we have a similar say. We're fifty-fifty. While, of course, that cannot be true because one company is just more dominant or bigger. And uh, when Northwest actually merged with Delta Airlines, it was the CEO Richard Anderson uh, who actually said there is no such thing as a merger of equals. It just doesn't exist. One brand or one culture will survive or will dominate. And that's sometimes I think where people uh, go off a little bit because they don't really get that. It's like they they expect to survive as a brand or as a a culture. And that's simply not happening most of the time. 
True. So actually, what what you see happening indeed, what 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 happened between um, the trial between British Airways and KLM was also an acquisition and not a merger. Um, uh, KLM Alitalia, I don't know where that that never actually took off. Period. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, indeed, and um, uh, and a number of these things as well. KPN and Proximus didn't take off either because of cultural differences, cultural national cultural differences, right? So we've been talking about um, national cultural differences and organizational culture. If you're interested in understanding more about the national cultural differences, and if you would like to have an overview of about 110 countries and their respective scores on these four dimensions that I've mentioned, hierarchy, loyalty, goal orientation, and predictability, you can um, go to culturematters.com slash shop, and you will find a cheat sheet there. You can download there, download that there for, I think it's, it's two bucks or something like that. So it's not, it's not going to cost you the world. Um, but it's a it's a handy cheat. It's literally a cheat sheet. I always have to be careful pronouncing that word cheat sheet and so yep. that I don't say something different. But moving on then to organizational culture, um, what you see often in organizations, uh, posters, and and I've seen plenty of those in, in, in my, my professional lifetime, posters on the wall declaring the values of the organization. Well, I'm here to tell you that an organization does not have values. People have values. People bring their values to the organization, but an organization does not have values. An organization, and now we're talking about organizational culture, has um, ways of working together. So let's put an example. In general, who do you think, Peter? Who do you think is more on time in general, a German or an Italian in general? Well, the, the, the cliche, of course, and maybe a cliche is close to the truth, that in general, people expect a German to be more on time than an Italian. True. So let's go. Let's go with that, right? So the German, in, from his national culture, is more on time than the than the Italian, who does who has a flexible timing to that extent. But if you have an organization that has both Germans and Italians, you can actually both agree on the fact that meetings start on time. Other things could be flexible, but meetings will start on time. It is an agreement you can make, and that then you're talking about the way of working and not about values. The Italian might not give a darn in any case about being on time, but he or she can say, okay, for meetings, I'll be on time. I, well, if that's important to you, all right, I'll be on time. That's uh -huh. fine. It is just a way of working, a way of being and doing, and it, has, it says nothing really about um about the values. And the, the the interesting thing here lies in the fact that you, so we're talking about this coin, coin right? And one side is, or, is organizational culture and the other side of the same coin is national culture. Now, the, 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 the point that we're trying to make here is that you cannot change national culture. In other words, you cannot change the nature of the German. You cannot change the nature of the Italian. You can take a German out of Germany, but you cannot take Germany out of the German, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing. So that's fixed. National culture is fixed. However, you can change, you can positively can change organizational culture. You can change organizational culture. And that's, of course, an option in a way. Um, that's an interesting option because when you want to know about um, the cultural differences, the national cultural differences, I'm, I'm holding up this cheat sheet that you cannot see. But um, these different scores, it has been done. That has been done. We know that the Germans score relatively low on hierarchy. We know that the Italians score relatively high on hierarchy, right? Um, so all these things, that, that, that has been done. It has been measured. So that's an, an interesting and valuable tool to actually um, to use when you're considering a merger slash acquisition of another organization from another country. 
Um, and then comes the flip side, organizational culture. And that is something you can measure because what's going on in, say, a Home Depot and a Walmart, two American companies, can be totally different. Um, or you mentioned Publix, I think, Walmart and Publix or something like that. You mentioned yeah. that. What's going on there inside that organization, both being American organizations, can actually be totally different. The way they work can actually be different. The way Amazon works can be different from how Walmart works, for instance, how Walmart functions. So, And that you can measure. Using a survey, you can actually measure what the organizational culture is. You want to continue on this? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's 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 a very powerful statement uh, because it it, re- it it relates to uh, where a company is in in terms of organizational culture. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Albert Heijn once, the Dutch supermarket that were, had a had, had a culture where the customer was not necessarily well attended, uh, yeah. or if if the if a customer would ask where's the salt, and the answer would be next to the pepper. Yeah, and 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 you know, and they said we don't want that anymore, and they changed the culture, and now. You know, an employee drops everything and shows the way. And the same same thing is true about Publix and Walmart. You just mentioned those are two opposite cultures in my mind, at least. So Walmart is more like the big, big nobody. There's very few employees walking around, and if you ask something, they honestly they barely know uh, where the stuff is, and they also will not walk with you. In Publix, uh, this it's like the family uh, supermarket. They the personalized attention. They recognize you even. Hey, how are you doing? How the how, how are your kids? They know that you have the kids, and if you ask something, they will drop everything and walk to the other side of the of the um, of the supermarket with you. So it's very powerful if you want to change a culture or you have a problem. But you just mentioned, Chris, there is a national culture component. We know the numbers, so we can already say if you want to merge and you want to work together as Dutchmen and, 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 and Germans or Americans and Italians or what have you, you already know that you have differences in national culture. Don't focus on what you have in common. Focus on what is different and you can do something about it. Yeah. And then you can do also a survey about the organizational culture so you can potentially avoid uh, making mistakes or maybe you shouldn't even try to merge with that company or you need to repair it, right? So what we do, it seems like, uh, we always focus on the financials. Yeah. Two companies put them together. We have a bigger market share. We can make more money. We can save some costs, etc. That's what we want to do. And there is no due diligence done on culture, both yeah, right. national culture and organizational culture. Right? True. Yeah. True. It's it's hardly ever done. And and in my experience, having done this organizational culture, because national culture is fixed. That's like that's like fixed history or or. Uh, frozen in history, if you want. A German is a German, has always been a German, and will always be a German. Okay, bold statements, but that's what we believe in, at least. Um, and what I have experienced in terms of organizations, and I've done this a few times with a few international companies as well, done a survey, an organizational cultural survey. And what you can do is you can you can um, stratify or segmentize if you want, say the management team versus marketing department versus the sales department, and then measure these different departments and see okay now how do they view their current situation? What comes out usually is that uh, the management team has no clue what's going on on the on the on the work floor if that if that makes sense. They are miles away from from their the work reality, if you want, from the people at the um, uh, at, at the work floor. Now, elaborating a little bit on organizational culture, there are three aspects that you should 
um, should look at when it comes to organizational culture. And we will focus more on that when we do our webinar on June 10, culturematters.com slash webinar. So there are three aspects in terms of what you can measure in terms of an organization. One is the actual culture. What is the situation right now? Okay, that's the actual culture. Then the second thing you can ask the people, what would you like? No, in an ideal world, what would you like? Which is the work utopia, okay? Um, this is the emotional preference that people might have. So those are two things. And then you go back to management. The management team ultimately should take those kind of decisions. What is the optimal culture for this organization, given the restrictions that this organization is functioning within? Okay. Now, if these things lie in each other's, uh, how do we, how do I'm making I'm making a gesture here? If if they follow the same line or if they are in the same direction. So yeah. if the actual if the actual culture is say fifty, and the um, desired culture would be sixty, and the ultimate or the optimal culture would be seventy, then people will support the change. People are not against all changes. People are against changes they don't like, right? So if it's the contrary, if the actual culture scores on there are seven dimensions there, um, if the actual culture scores fifty, the work utopia scores forty. And management says, in order for us to work better, we should actually score 60. Then people will, will oppose the, the change, that whatever the change may be. And knowing, knowing that, it gives you a sort of a navigation system. It gives you a sort of a map uh, on, on where to intervene in the organization. What happens mostly when it comes to organizational change uh, or mergers and acquisitions is that people, they take, a, take a, a plate of spaghetti, they throw it against the wall, and they see and they hope uh, that something sticks. And if it doesn't stick, we'll, we'll take another plate and we'll throw it against the wall and see what sticks there. So with this, you actually have an instrument in your hands where you can, you can, you can consciously decide this is where we're going to intervene. And this we will leave for later, but not for now, because we don't want to, um, uh, how do you say, harvest uh, rejection and stuff like that. That's not what we want, right? Um, so, and this is something that you can do online by us. And, uh, and you can actually, I mean, if this is of interest to you, get in touch with us, culturematters.com. Uh, you will find a contact form there. If this is of interest to you, the, having this organizational scan done, um, then of course, get in touch. And the, the nice thing about this is, this organizational cultural survey, is that it's a modular approach. In other words, if you ask, okay, can you do a survey? And then say, okay, now I know enough, and then we'll leave you. You can also say, can you do a survey? And can you give us some hints and ideas on how, what, or what we could change? That's a, that's another module, but you don't have to. And what you can also do is, is indeed um, get us on board, and we will sit with you virtually or physically. That depends on what your what your desire is and what's possible, of course. We can do a scan, we can give you, we can tell you where to uh, intervene, and we can tell you what to do indeed and how to best do this. So therefore, this, this is a, a very um, powerful, like you said, powerful um, intervention tool, typically not used very often when it comes to mergers slash acquisitions. Peter? Yeah, I... I think it's very powerful to if 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 a company is on the path of constructing whatever uh, cooperation, right? Whether you call it merger, you call it acquisition, maybe you call it a joint venture, to do your due diligence and understand the national cultural uh, impact, but also the organizational cultural impact mm -hmm. 
by doing that, you, you can already avoid a lot of problems. Or if you have the problems, you can potentially solve them. And we have enough examples. And another example is, of course, with KLM, uh, where we both worked at. Uh, they tried also to merge with uh, British Airways at some point. And they ne didn't necessarily do a cultural uh, assessment, but uh, the Dutch were kind of, again, claiming uh, equality, right? We, we, are, we are a much smaller airline, but we kind of merge, and we have both 50-50 say in decisions, mm -hmm. etc. And basically, British Airways said, not at all. I mean, we are like three, four times bigger than you. This becomes... An, an English company or a, or a UK company, mm -hmm. and uh, you're going to be a subsidiary of that. And that, of course, that was not acceptable to the Dutch. And you can avoid uh, problems if you kind of go through your due diligence early, or if you need to fix it, you can do it, of course, after the fact as well. Um, but anyways, I, I think uh, one, of the th one of the last things that, uh, that I was uh, going to say here is um, and this is just a like, almost like a side comment, because uh, I, you've you've seen this a lot, uh, Chris, I'm sure, and so have I, where people say, well, in the case of uh, KLM and Alitalia or or any other example, it was just because this guy he was just not a nice guy, uh, or I, he was just wrong, or he was just rude, and. And, and things like that, it becomes personal or it becomes yeah. a personality discussion. Yeah. And uh, personality is, of course, of impact. But I always think that you should go to national culture first and you can point the differences. You go to organizational culture next and then maybe there is a personality uh, component to this as well. But that's not a good starting point, is it? No, indeed. As, as if, if, I, if I can put it in a very Dutch way, not all Italians are idiots. That's not the case. There is a cultural component there that might not match with your your um, cultural component. And not all Dutchmen are rude. It's no. just that they are direct. And if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's not let's not go that uh, down that alley there. Um, so as if, if I summarize this, 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 uh, this podcast and what we try to get across here is that most of the time when it comes to a merger and acquisition, it turns out to be an acquisition and not a merger, at least not a merger of equals. Some one company takes over the other company because it's bigger, better, more sophisticated and what have you, right? Um, Facebook uh, acquired WhatsApp. It's not that WhatsApp and Facebook went together and now are equals. No, that's not the case. Um, What's important to realize is that you're dealing, if it's international, that you're dealing with national cultural differences. And these national cultural differences are fixed. They're, they're fixed and they're fixed and they're fixed. You can stand on your head, but they're still fixed. Uh, and you can deny it, but they're still fixed. You can still say that the Dutch like Italian pizza, but they're still Dutch, right? So don't fall into that trap either. What you can change and what is very valuable to consider as well um, is the organizational culture. The organizational culture you can mold over time. It's not always easy, but you can mold over time into a direction that is good for the, well, acquired or the merged organizations, the two or more organizations that mer merged or one organization acquired the other one. Um, and th so that's those tools, national culture and organizational culture measurement tools are available to you. Um, and again, don't fall in, into the trap of only looking at the economics 
in terms of economies of scale, market size, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because you will, I mean, there is a 80% chance that whatever you're doing internationally will fail. And that's also with a big period and done like that. Peter, anything to add to that? No, not really. I I, I think that's uh, that, that's the message of the day, right? I mean, uh, you can uh, you can avoid or you can repair. Uh, you just have to understand that there are differences. Don't focus in, on what we have in common. It doesn't in, in do anything for you. True. So a couple of things, a couple of things we mentioned here. June 10, if you're listening to this um, uh, before June 10, 2021, do register at uh, culturematters.com slash webinar. That's one thing we mentioned. If you're interested and want to know more about how we do a survey on organizational cultural level, then just send us an email, um, get in touch, call or send a message or, or an email, either or, and uh, we can start the, the, the conversation if you want. And the other thing that we mentioned was that you can get the cheat sheet with the four primary cultural dimensions and the about 110 countries that have their respective scores fixed on those already at culturematters.com slash shop. And I think that's pretty much it. Uh, anything else you can find on culturematters.com. There's a podcast, there are articles, there are webinars, there are there's plenty of stuff to, uh, to wrap your head around, I think. Peter, anything yep. to add? Well, you can get get in touch with us on LinkedIn, on uh, culturematters.com. You can find our profiles. Uh, that's probably uh, the best way. I like LinkedIn, so uh, you can find us there as well. The music used in this podcast is from Ben Sound. Check them out at bensound.com. Two weeks ago, we had episode 154, 154 with Ivana Lodovici. And we talked about international recruit, recruitment as well. So make sure you check out that episode as well. Okay. All right. Then we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you do like what we're doing, then in iTunes, you can leave a review. That would be really cool. Thank you so much. And we will be back in a couple of weeks, but with another topic. Again. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Have a great day. Ciao. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com. Thank you.